0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the latest podcast episode. This is your host, Terry Knight, and I have Dr. Heather Penny. And I'm really excited to talk to her because she does amazing things to help people find their unique strengths and just what they have to offer and how they can implement that in their life, relationships, and all that cool stuff. Um, She's an author, obviously, uh, teacher, advisor, leadership coach. And thank you so much for coming on. I'm just excited to talk to you.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Terry. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you. So let's just get to it. Get to the the good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, let's jump right in. (laughs) Jump right in, Um, Heather. Yeah, let's just let people know who you are and where you came from, and let's go from there. Sure.
1: Yeah, I'm a leadership coach, and I started out in education, teaching little third graders, and moving up through university level. And I think that's I love bringing that up because that's where I learned a lot about just how we learn and grow as humans. I moved on in my graduate work and got my master's in leadership, worked a lot with the uh, adult learners and also with just starting to do consulting, and then moved into my doctorate work where I just realized I love teaching, but I want to teach what I want to teach on. (laughs) So I thought, let me start looking at how people spiral up, how do we increase our emotional well-being, our career fulfillment, and who we are as a human being versus how do we spiral down. And when I started reading the research- We're pretty clear of why we're spiraling down, (laughs) but there wasn't a lot of conversation about, okay, we got it, loud and clear. We are spiraling down as a humanity, (laughs) the society of just depression, anxiety, anger. I mean, we see it, right? But what do we do about it? So I wanted to be on the other side of that conversation that says, hey, if we can spiral down, we can master the art of spiraling up. Let's start talking to people about what they're doing to spiral up and increasing emotional well-being and just overall uh, fulfillment.
0: Cool. Yeah, I love that. Um, I mean, I think anyone in life, entrepreneurships, people Mm -hmm. working, you know, nine to fives, I think we all have that emotional stability where we're trying Mm -hmm. to figure out things. And we have that spiral down, like you mentioned. Um, What were some of the things you learned when you were getting your master's in leadership uh, to kind of have you pivot and say, hey, I want to do my own consulting. And I really think I can find this little little niche, this little part and really figure out how to help people out.
1: Yeah. Well, I I'll be honest, I went straight through. I finished up my bachelor's, got my teaching credential, and then saw the pay the pay scale leap in the educational (laughs) school systems of what it would look like when you get a master's. And so I didn't stop. So I just like, I don't I'm just gonna keep going. And so I got it in leadership. I learned a lot about it, but frankly I was pretty young. And I was in my late twenties and it was between my master's and my doctorate. I took uh, probably several, almost 20 years off between my degrees and just kind of lived, got life experience, and went back in my 40s for my doctorate. And I just, I'm so grateful I did because I just needed that life experience a little bit more besides just kind of plowing through school. And That's when I knew when I returned, it was going to be in something that I wanted to go to school for and I wanted to learn and research about. So I got a doctorate in human human services versus something in education because I just wanted to look at how do I serve humanity? And at the time, I didn't even know what coaching was. I ended up just hiring a coach (laughs) because I was in this identity crisis myself and what I Mm -hmm. now call a – Midlife opportunity. You know, we love to call it a crisis, and I know it feels like a crisis, but you know, I'm 53 now and looking back, I say, Oh, no, these are wonderful, like, halfway points to talk about what we know about ourselves and what we do like about ourselves, but starting to embrace the fact that, yeah, there's more potential in me. I just don't know how to name it yet. And that's what coaching taught Mm -hmm. me when I hired my own coach. It's really to get my own clarity, confidence, and courage. So as I meet people where they're at, I'm I'm leaning into a lot of the research I've done, but also just my own life research of just stepping into life and realizing I know what it feels like to know what you don't want to do, but not have clarity on what you do want to do. And I learned just the art of slowing down, pausing long enough to ask better questions and really having good people to join me in the conversation and not people who are just try to... Give me their agenda tell me what to do next or even have some kind of controlling thought about it. I needed people who were willing to just stay in it and explore it with me and believe that I held my own clarity, confidence, encouraging in me. So as I got to receive that, it gave me a whole new perspective of what I wanted to offer the world. So I've been doing coaching for about 15 years now.
0: 15 years. That's amazing. That's so cool. <laughs> so, you, you went back to school 20 years later, right? And it's, yeah. called, you said human services. Is that human services.
1: The... Yeah. It's a PhD in human services in the School of, uh, of Public Service Leadership.
0: Uh, wow. Well, I never heard of that. That's so cool. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of a newer degree. Yeah. A newer degree, really. Yeah. I never yeah, heard of that. Yeah. Well, one. it's,
1: yeah, it was specific to the university I went to. But it, more importantly, I really wanted a degree that said, will you let me research what I want to research? Or are you going to make me research all the stuff you need research on? And so it had Mm -hmm. that open-ended factor where when it came time to do my dissertation, I said, I know what I want to study. I want to study Mm -hmm. of what's making people spiral up. So I did a a phenomenological research design, which is basically just studying lived experiences of people and asked them all these questions. Well, what made you spiral up? And then that's what I do a lot of my coaching around.
0: Okay, cool. What's the common questions for clients or people you talk Mm -hmm. to about the spiraling up like what was i think we all had that common denominator at some point yeah what what, what kind of stood out for you
1: i'll tell you what the research taught me and then how i applied it because that's what helped me and i think research is only good if you know how to apply it right it's not good just Mm -hmm. sitting in a book on a shelf or sitting in a in an academic ivory tower it's something we want to figure out how to actually give back to humanity so when i asked all the questions and had the participants in the in the study it was really powerful. There was four themes that came out and what I now call the four tires, but it, and it's in my first book, the life you're made for. So if you all want more on that, you can read about it, but it was really these four tires. And if you picture the first two tires, let's call them fulfillment and affirmation. So fulfillment tires is the, is the tire where you're sitting there looking at it and going, well, what's really fulfills me. And then where do I need affirmation? If you can slow down long enough and start really getting your clarity around that, that's when you begin the process of spiraling up. The back two tires, I call it growth and achievement. And this is about doing. We still need to be doing and being. You know, fulfillment and affirmation is about being. Growth and achievement is about doing. But those back two tires are really like, where do I want to grow? What do I want to achieve? And the reason I called it four tires is because when I the more I began to work with humanity, it only takes one tire before we're flat on the side of the road, right? And so when I work with humanity, that's really what I want them to get their clarity around. I I basically teach them how to go around and kind of kick the tires and check the ball for air pressure and say, oh, Hmm. the one that I see typically low is fulfillment. And a lot of it is probably because the majority of people that are coming to see me, they're midlife, and they're at that space of they don't even know how to put it into words, but they just don't have that fulfillment anymore. What they really enjoyed in their 20s and 30s, they're not enjoying in their 40s, 50s, 60s. So they're looking for something more, but they don't even know how to step in that conversation. What I love coaching people on is it's okay. If you wait long enough, I promise you, the clarity will come. But it feels counterintuitive to slow down. We typically want to keep pushing forward to try and find the answer because (laughs) I work with a lot of high achievers and strivers. And it's also kind of the North American way, right? So it's just Mm -hmm. helping them to slow down and say, hey, if you slow down long enough, It's like I use the example in my book about it's like being by a campfire. You kind of roasted marshmallows. I mean, the joys of camping is being able to slow down in life, right? And you kind of come Mm -hmm. back from camping or being out in the wilderness and you come back to your whatever suburban life or whatever you're living and you have a whole new clarity or a whole new experience and mindset, even. It's the same thing. If we can slow down and let ourselves like just roast a couple marshmallows and put a, little, a couple hot dogs there on the fire and just relax here. You're going to, and, and have some good conversation around the, the campfire there. You're going to start getting the clarity that you need. And you're going to know the direction. You're going to know what to do when you come up and you stand up from that campfire, the fire, whether you want to go North, South, West, or East. But typically we don't give ourselves the time to do that. And we don't trust that process. So we just keep pushing through.
0: Yeah. Hands down. I'm at fault for that one. Like slowing down. <laughs> I'm, All my fingers pointing back. Yeah. Total opposite. <laughs> So for someone like me or like a lot of people that have the same issues, Yes. what's the art of slowing down? Like how can you slow down other than, hey, go to the wilderness and have a deep thought? Like how do you – I know it takes repetition and, and consistency, but how do you slow down though? Like,
1: Yeah. I, I wouldn't be so cruel to, to tell you to do that, man. It's like, it's like telling someone to go, just go sit on the couch and meditate. I don't know if you're like <laughs> me, Terry, but I'm going – put two forks in my eyes, you know, like I'd rather do anything besides that when I'm in that achieving mode, not -hmm. saying that I don't meditate and and practice it. But when you're in that, I want to get it done. And I want to move forward. And you're an activist, which is someone like me to just be told to go sit on the couch and meditate isn't going to be enough. So what I would say is kind of that intermediate step, hire someone, someone like me, like a coach or befriend someone. I don't care if you want to do a formal or informal relationship, that values the art of slowing down. If your friend is telling you, Terry, man, you got to just do more. You got to get out there. You got to hustle. You got to (laughs) strive. I would say take a beat and pull back from that friend because that's not what you need if you're already pushing forward. Now, if you're someone Mm -hmm. who does love putting in first gear, you may need that kind of friend in your life. But if Mm -hmm. you're already someone like that naturally comes to you, you're going to want to go find someone. And like I said, whether it's a professional relationship where they tell you, Hey, Terry, you got to slow down. And if you give me like six months, you're going to get your clarity. Or if you have a friendship that just says, Hey, Terry, you're going to be fine. Just let's just slow down and let's stop taking interviews for a while. Or let's stop doing, you know, all of these different things that we do to try and keep ourselves in motion and trust that you're going to get the clarity. Those are going to be some of your, your best voices in your life.
0: Gotcha. Cool. Well said, uh, you brought up a good concept, the, uh, four tires love that. (laughs) <laughs> um how do you keep the four tires maintenance up without being oh, flat? Yeah. Like what's less than they're saying there's always an a uh, solution, but there's yeah. gotta be a way to kinda make sure they're all afloat.
1: Oh, you're asking all the right questions, Terry. Good job. You'd make a good coach. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, so you're right. I love the word I love that you use the word maintenance. I think the myth or what I call the false belief in my books is this idea that our tires will be fine for the rest of our life and the, the air will just keep perfect and nothing will ever happen. You know, you don't even realize that's the way you live. And I know I live that way too. I have to have this kind of reckoning with myself that says, Heather, you've got four tires and you better slow down and check your tires. And so mm-hmm. whether you do it on your own, and I love anyone I work with, I love empowering for them to work on their own. Or whether you work with someone you, you want to have that space to just stop and reflect and say, how are my tires doing? And I have like specific questions, like maybe 10 questions you can look at each tire. And if I, if you do it on your own, I would say, you look at these sets of questions and you just quickly move through them and you see what stands out, whichever questions are standing out, that's the tire that's needing some attention. So that's a mm-hmm. real quick way to do it. Uh, but if you were in a coaching relationship with me, I would stay in it with you and I'd help you kind of go around and kick the tires. I'm like, Hey, Derry, it sounded like your affirmation tire. And you know, whatever (laughs) it is, I I'd kind of give you some of my two cents on that. And then we'd explore Mm -hmm. that together.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, no, I like that concept for tires. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Have you ever had people and it's probably me as well, but, You know, you you try to bring out the unique strengths like you mentioned Mm -hmm. and offers and you Mm -hmm. try to find that that part in yourself. I think we all have that identity crisis where we don't know when we go do different journeys of our life. But have you ever had someone that, I don't know, figured it out, their unique strengths and offer, Mm -hmm. but they just weren't able to pull through yet? And what kept them from really kind of hitting the sky limit?
1: Yeah, I'm just... Sometimes I get sensitive about saying it because it sounds like I'm plugging my services, which I'm not because I hire coaches and counselors and so many people in my life, but I'm a big fan of hiring the right person because I like results quicker. And I know a lot of times I'll work on my own for years and I'll get there eventually. And it's not always the bad thing, but if I want to do and I want to achieve and grow in areas Knowing the type of person that I want to hire and who I want to partner with is, makes all the difference. And so I think that's something that I would say, you just, you want to keep a pulse on that of who you're inviting into your life. And, you know, my tagline is clarity, confidence, courage, but you want the clarity to know where you want to end up. Sometimes you don't know how to get there, but you know where you want to end up. And that's where you, you have a working relationship with someone that just says, here, I'll, I'll help you carve out the path that's unique for you. And I believe that you'll get your own clarity, your own confidence and courage so that you can do this on your own. Not that you'll be dependent on someone. I'm never a fan of that. But I mm-hmm. want to see people be able to feel empowered and sustainable for their life to, to have new practices so that when one of their tires is flat, not if, but when one of their tires is flat, they know how to <laughs> check it themselves and they know how to put the air back in.
0: Gotcha. Totally makes sense. And for my own benefit, what what happens when you have the four tires? Their maintenance, they're all doing well. Like, what type of achievements and success can you actually get done when you hit that that type of level? Oh yeah, coaching and just everything.
1: I'll give you my own example. You know, I love use myself as example. Um, I, I have my own coaching company, like I said, I've been doing about mm-hmm. fifteen years and. One of the things I noticed a couple of years ago was just this fatigue rolling over me. So, you know, I try and practice what I preach, I would and check my four tires and I just kept coming back to this. All of them. I'm not fulfilled in what I'm doing. I'm not, I don't feel the affirmation that I want to either be giving or receiving. I'm not growing in the areas I want. I'm not achieving where I want, you know, what's happening here. Well then I took a closer look at, at what it was that I was doing and i was doing a lot of these little tasks over and over and over and over well i wasn't being given the opportunity to really get that 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 uh, macro vision for next steps for myself and my company and that's really what i thrive in so being mm. able to to pay attention to that required me hiring someone and i fought this for a long time because i was like <laughs> hey, i could do it on my own i could do it on my own right mm. but I couldn't do it on my own. And I'm the type that has, sometimes has to word, learn a little bit of the hard way. I hope as I'm aging, I don't have to quite learn the hard way. So after <laughs> two plus years of just pushing through and fumbling with it, I realized I need an assistant. And the cool thing about that, though, is I had strong clarity of the type of assistant I needed. I didn't need one like me. I needed one who understood me and respected me, but I needed someone who had counter gifts that I have. And I had strong clarity on what that is. And just, I hired one uh, about four months ago. And I seriously, probably a day doesn't go by where I go, how did I even run my company without her? <laughs> she <laughs> was doing so much. And I can feel the fatigue lifting off me so that I can move back into my areas of strength and can really get going again in my fi- mm-hmm. four tires. And so I feel like now, for instance, I'm taking a keynote this weekend. I had, wasn't able to speak for the last year because I was doing so many little tasks all the time. I didn't have time to go travel or take a speaking thing. And yet that's what I need to be doing. That's what I'm good at doing. That's what helps me get out there in the public and the audience. But I was getting distracted by all the little stuff. And so I think moving into that space gave me the permission to, to do what I'm good at, but also the permission to ask for help and get the right help.
0: Gotcha. I think you kind of hit the mark. Cause even with me, it's asking for help. I think we all have the, um, Stubbornness and just willpower <laughs> to say no, like I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I think that's a lot of causes for everything. That's why there's coaches and then there's yeah. mentorship and all that stuff. Um, so it's pretty cool that you're able to put that to the side to figure out your fatigue and get that addressed, which was pretty cool.
1: Thanks, Terry. Yeah, you got to listen to that. Your fatigue is telling you something. <laughs>
0: um, you mentioned a keynote. Um, where where exactly is that? Like being hosted.
1: Yeah, sure. It's this Saturday. I'm in uh, Rockland, California, which is up near Sacramento area. And it's Mm -hmm. a creative creative conference where I'm speaking to all these creatives that are moving into their life and their strengths. And they asked me to come in and talk about Clarity, Confidence, and Courage. And honestly, my new book, Grace Space, how we create spaces of grace around us that we want to live and lead in.
0: Cool. Yeah, I wanted to actually talk to you about that. So you have a new book, Grace Space. Oh, yes. Can you kind of go through exactly what the book's about and how it can help someone?
1: Yeah. I I was working in all of these leadership spaces and it was several years back. And I remember feeling the fatigue again. And this is where I want to say, listen, folks, the fatigue and don't give into it, but it's telling you something. And for me, it was telling me our people are struggling with critical thinking and personal empowerment of choice. And I'm also a parent of two young adults now too. And, you know, the end game is to, to launch people, to launch our kids into this world and make positive contributors to society. That's our end game as a parent, right? Mm-hmm. So it's also very synonymous to what we're doing as leaders and employees. The end game really is to serve our people so that they can be their best self and to help them feel more and more empowered and independent and, and reach untapped potential. I think that's what great leaders do. So, Grace Space became this catalyst where I thought, you know, more and more people are getting scared to speak up. They're getting scared to step into these conversations. They're scared to even tell anybody an opinion, much less how they vote, <laughs> right? So, I realized we had coined these phrases of safe spaces, which thank you, whoever started that, we needed that. But I believe as humanity, we've evolved. What I was beginning to see as a leadership coach is we're creating all these little safe spaces, but they were like lobbing grenades over to each other's safe spaces and say, no, you got to vote like me. You got to think like me. You got to act like me. You got to you know, talk like me. And if you don't, you're the villain. I think that's a lack of critical thinking and really, frankly, a lack of grace toward humanity. And I use the term grace as an opportunity to do goodwill to humans. To re- and don't we want to remember our humaneness? So I remember just feeling this fatigue, working with a lot of conflict one day. And I just came back and sat at my desk and I just created these seven practices and what I call practices because it's something we need to practice. But I just said, and I was working particularly with a client that day who was so mad at somebody in the company and accusing him of all these stuff. And I said, did you know that you have a choice to actually forgive this person? Or did you know you have a choice to respond to this person? Or do you know you have a choice to actually... ask questions versus accuse. So I found myself using these juxtaposed phrases like, well, sure. You could totally accuse this guy of meaning to do this to you, (laughs) or you can actually stay curious and ask some questions. And it was powerful because I heard the client on the the phone go, Oh, well, yeah, I want to ask questions. But I could hear that he didn't even realize he had that choice. It's almost like we as humanity are getting victimized by other people's emotions and even by our own emotions. Mm-hmm. Someone accuses us, we're gonna accuse back. Someone reacts to us, we're gonna, we're gonna push harder. And I think recognizing that we have a split second to make a choice, but if we don't have clarity in what those choices are, we can't reach for them quick enough. So questioning versus accusing is practice number two. The first one is responding versus reacting. And trust versus fear, control versus freedom. These are some of the seven practices that I talk about. And I tell everybody, don't worry, you're not supposed to be perfect. The goal's not perfection here. Like all of us, myself included, have accused and reacted and tried to control versus offering freedom. However, I think if we understand what juxtaposes that, we're gonna get smarter and better at reaching for a new choice that we didn't have the clarity on before. So my goal is to just simply put seven practices out there. And, you know, grace is such a big word. I'm sure there's a million practices, but I'm helping (laughs) focus on seven. And they're seven that I practiced for several years before I wrote the book, I thought, well, I'm going to try it. At the time I was raising a 15-year-old son, 17-year-old daughter. I had lots of opportunities to practice receptivity (laughs) versus defensiveness, (laughs) constructive language versus destructive language. Mm -hmm. And if you see the book to the day, my son now is 19 and I actually dedicated grace space to my son because we were working through our own personal conflict. And that's why I love, even though I'm a leadership coach, I say leadership starts from within who we are within as a human being dictates who we are as leaders. So let's do our growth work people. And let's make sure that we're really taking care of who we are internally so that we can offer our best self externally.
0: Cool. Well said, I like that you dedicate that to your son. Um, the the personal conflict, right? Because we we mm-hmm. all have that. I have a fifteen month old. Um, not at that stage where you know they're <laughs> teenagers, nowhere near that. But uh, what what seven practices, I guess, from the book? Can you give an example that would help someone in need that is raising a kid that sure. they may encounter that could benefit them?
1: Yeah, I'll give you my own experience. Of course, sometimes <laughs> it's just it's easier for the you know, I always say I'm trying to knock the pedestal off from underneath me. I don't want to think that I have any kind of superiority in this just because I wrote it. <laughs> I write it for me as much as I do for everybody else. So right. I think with um, my son, Luke, and I think he'd be really free to talk about this too, because we've been really transparent on it. But there was a time when the conflict was so intense and he was 15 and, you know, I'm a middle-aged mom and going, what is happening? And we'd always been very close. And, you know, I just remember coming to his room one day and said, clearly uh, mom's missing something. (laughs) (laughs) I am not getting something here. (laughs) (laughs) If you will just hang in with me a little bit, I promise that I'll listen to you. And what I'm trying to engage was that practice of freedom versus control. Mm. I knew instinctively that this this boy was becoming a man and needed a mother to shift with him. I just knew I wasn't getting it. So I thought, why not just lead with that and tell him I'm clearly not getting it. And it probably has something to do. I don't think I said directly to him, but in my head, I'm thinking it probably has something to do with freedom and control. <laughs> you're trying to like assert your own independence. And I'm, mm. I'm telling you, get a jacket and take your vitamins and you're about, it's, you know, you'd set your teeth on edge. <laughs> And so, and it was little things like that, honestly, and it was bigger things like telling him which classes I thought he should take, or maybe what school, Mm -hmm. you know, or any, because I've got lots of ideas and opinions and I think it's very helpful. And so one of the freedom phrases that I put out there with him, as I said, son, you can say whatever you need to say to me, as long as it's respectful, but you can say it. And I promise you I'll listen. And one of the phrases that I said I wanted to give him was, mom, that's not helping. I said, if you can say this with respect, when I'm trying to tell you something, you can just Mm -hmm. say, hey, mom, that's not helping. It's going to cue me that what I'm doing is starting to feel controlling, and it's not giving you the freedom you need. And I knew the onus was on me to help give him some phrases. You know, do I want him to try and feel like he has to, at 15, to try and compete with me, who's very verbal and educated? (laughs) And You know, that's so cruel and unfair, and yet we do that as parents. So Mm -hmm. the onus is on me to just meet him where he's at and say... I'm not. I'm not getting it. Here's how you can help me. And if you stay in it, I promise you'll listen. And I remember there was, there were several conversations after that where I thought, "Ooh, okay, that's a blind spot head. <laughs> that is clearly a blind spot. And your 15 year old son is here to be your little teacher, <laughs> and he's trying to tell you something, and you get to listen to it. And I would say today that. We have a great friendship. In fact, I'm heading over there. He's studying abroad in Switzerland. I'm heading over there next month just to hang out with him for a couple of weeks. And, nice. you know, I think, and that was always my, my end game. Not only do I want to launch independent positive contributor society, I want a friendship with my kids. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not getting it, like I will stop everything to pay attention to what that is. Mm-hmm. And I think they would also model uh, question versus accusing. And is, don't we don't we get sucked into that? And all my fingers pointing back as parents, you can feel yourself getting sucked in. It. Well, you're doing this. Well, you're doing this. Well, you don't. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't stop telling me this. Well, you won't leave me alone here. Well, nothing is getting accomplished there. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to be the adult in the room. <laughs> parents, <laughs> I would say it's it's us. Yeah. <laughs> we have to stop the cycle. And I want to say something like grace space gives you a little bit of some centering of saying, okay, I'm accusing again and I want to choose questioning. And mm. I think we have a lot of clarity on the stuff that is not grace-based. You know, it's what I would call shame, you know, if we're accusing and we're controlling, these are shame methods that we use or guilt methods we use as parents. I want to create a grace space. And so if I'm reaching for these other seven attributes of, of freedom and responding and questioning and trust versus fear, I believe I'll be not just a better parent, but really a better human. And and even a better leadership coach, and so it, all of this transfers over if we're focused on really growing our humanity.
0: Uh, Heather, yeah, I love that. Um, wow, that was deep. <laughs> Freedom versus control—like, literally, that. I just learned something. Like, I I never even thought about it like that, but that that's very that's a golden nugget for parents out there. I think that yeah. can truly help a lot of people out. And I'm kind of going in a different path with this, but I feel like Grace Space, your new book, will also help with life, yeah. parenting, relationships as well, I would think, right?
1: Everything, yeah.
0: And what what I want to find out an example for a relationship that maybe that can help people out there that's struggling and yep. having conflict. Yeah. I think that's key.
1: Yeah, we can all relate to the personal relationships, can't we? And then we yeah. can know how to transfer it over. I would say if you can get victorious in your personal relationships, you know, with spouses, kids, parenting – even friendships, family stuff, you'll be successful in the, in the leadership realm. It's transferable. It's just a lot easier. It's not quite as triggery. There's not (laughs) as much flying at us. So you're actually going to be, it's going to be easier in the leadership realm.
0: Cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So where can people get your new book, Gray Space? Like where where is it located?
1: Yeah, it's the easiest, of course, Amazon Gray Space by Dr. Heather Penny or Heather Penny PhD, I think is what it's called. And then If you can't find that, just go to my website, Heatherpenny.com, and I have everything on there. It's one place to start, and you can find my podcast where I do talk a lot about gray space. I'm bringing on a lot of my endorsers to talk about it, and to your point, Terry, people are talking about how they're applying gray space in the classroom, in the business realms, in the marriages, in Mm -hmm. um, parenting It's so transferable. And that's also why I said, yeah, I'm a leadership coach, but I also, I see so much transference over that I, that I titled this gray space, creating spaces that we want to live and lead in. And I start using both those terms interchangeably because who we live, how we live is also how we lead and how we lead is also how we live.
0: Yeah. Hands down. I love that slogan. (laughs) (laughs) I really love that. Um, Folks. Yeah. You heard it here first. I'll have all the details up below as well. Um, what's your plan for the rest of the year, Heather? I know you got that keynote coming up on on Saturday, but what's your goal for the rest of the year? Yeah,
1: I just launched my book in January. It's getting just a lot of great, uh, response and I'm so thrilled, but me and my Mm -hmm. team are pushing through for January and February. See, it's not all bad to push through. We gotta, we gotta get the job (laughs) done, huh? Sometimes, Terry. But my finish line is March 1st, where my husband and I, he's also a consultant and we've taken, cleared the whole month and we've never done this. We've cleared the whole month and we're traveling Europe and we're meeting up with our son over in Switzerland. So we're doing oh, that God. for March and then I'll come back and I'm hoping that I'll have a lot of clarity and my own clarity is courage about what's next, but I'm <laughs> taking keynotes and I'm starting to do workshops, doing webinars around this. I'm just getting a lot of response around gray space because it's, it's such a practical tool that we need right now in our world. And people are really responding well to it. So I'm just so thrilled to be able to just be there and support the conversations around it. And, I, and I'm and i asking everybody just to join me. Join me, join us. Many of you are doing Grace Space already. You'll read the book, and I hope you feel affirmed that you're doing it. This is just to help you level up and to be able to take those shortcuts to be able to do it better and cleaner and faster.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm about to look into that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Heather, um, one last thing, though, because I like to ask, Guess the same question. It's sure. uh, what keeps you going every day when you want to give up, whether it's now or in, you know earlier when you had kids, parent, you know parenting oh, yeah. or your career, wherever it could be that you think will take place. Yeah,
1: I don't mean to sound cliche or like an easy answer, but I got to say, my faith is so important to me that mm-hmm. my <laughs> my connection with my divine creator, which I call God and I believe is all loving. I believe that there is a force out there that is rooting for me. And when I can't root for myself or, or frankly, anyone around me, because I'm having just a really sour moment in my life. But um, (laughs) I believe there's such a loving presence that is pursuing me and pursuing my position in this world, my purpose in this world, and is really my lifeline to my own clarity, confidence and courage. So When I have my bleak moments and my dark days and my hard moments, to know I have that lifeline to look up and and to help me look inward versus trying to shoulder it all on my own, I can't tell you what a relief that is to me.
0: Yeah, I agree. I can relate. I okay. agree
1: 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't you? <laughs> cool.
0: Well, guys, you heard it first. Heather Penny. Um, Heather, do you have any social media platforms people can reach out as well? Or is it just a website? Yeah. No, I'm all
1: over the place. LinkedIn, Heather Penny, PhD is my handle. Instagram, Facebook. Um tried a little bit foray to TikTok. I don't know. We'll see what we'll see how that's happening. <laughs> you guys can let me know if you like it or not, but probably uh LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook are my strongest presence.
0: Gotcha. No, you know, just you mentioned TikTok, just top of my head. You have this new book, Grace Space. Like you gave an example, cool example, freedom control, yeah. parenting style. People will love to use like reenacting an example from that and how the book can benefit from it. And I think with your seven practices, you can go down a whole list of like examples. Like it, people will love that because then you okay. give them a visual on what your book is about and how yeah. they can implement it. Like,
1: all right, Terry, I think I'll do that. Probably a personal practice, like in your personal life and also maybe in the yeah, leadership space. I love it, Terry. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I, I, I got really, my social I, media I really calendar so. for the year.
0: <laughs> I'm dead. I'm so serious. Like, I think that will make you blow up on there. Like, just doing okay. that. Okay. I'll do I, that. I learned so much already. So it's like crazy.
1: Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Then I'll do that. And I'm also, um, my podcast, I'm, I'm starting to focus on each of the practices and then I'm mm-hmm. bringing on people who have read the book and are doing the practices themselves. So I just, for instance, interviewed someone who was doing Grace space, uh, as a professor at Pepperdine university. And so I'm just intrigued with how people are making their own application. And I'm just so excited because, I think, as those, as a listener here, you can start hearing how you might want to do it for you. But it's exciting to see how everyone's applying it, and it's much easier than you think.
0: Exactly, yep. Baby steps, but baby it, steps it can yeah. be done. Yeah.
1: <laughs> cool. Well,
0: Heather, thank you so much for coming on. I You're appreciate welcome. it. Thanks for and, having me. Uh, <laughs> thank you. And everyone to the to the next episode. Uh, take it easy. Peace out.
1: All right. Bye-bye, <laughs> bye, bye, everyone.
0: Bye.